0: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. My name is Divya Ina, and welcome to Talk Water. Everyone knows it takes 28 days to develop a new habit, or perhaps 21 or 18 or even 66, depending on who you ask. But anyway, the point is that it's a specific number, which makes it sound scientific and thus indisputably true. So for those of us who might have set our new year's resolution with the best of intentions don't be put off if you've already broken it because there's a new theory that suggests that it pays to start your new year's resolution in February which makes sense for most of us because January is cool down time time to throw away those boxes of chocolates and give ourselves time to plan healthy habits and i suppose it makes us feel less guilty for not sticking to resolutions in the first place so Focus on making February the month to hit the ground running. So what are we going to get going with for this month? Well, this month we bring to you news from Davos, where the curtain's raised for the annual World Economic Forum meeting. And you'll hear my conversation with Paula Callahan about water and how it's being recognised as a solvable problem, as well as an investment opportunity. You'll also hear from Reese Owen about the business model dilemma in the world of sensors, where the expectation on hardware companies might soon be to offer data as a service as they're offering. So let's kick things off with Davos and hear what Paula Callahan has to say. It's that time of the year when the rich and powerful, as well as the simply famous, head to the Swiss mountain village to discuss the big issues of the day and attempt to put the world to rights. We, Bluetech Research, joined the rich and famous in Davos at the World Economic Forum. So I have with me today our CEO, Paula Callahan, who will share with us a few highlights of our trip. Paul, welcome and thank you for joining me today. Tell me, what was Davos like? What was the atmosphere, the people and the spirit? What were they like?
1: Well, first of all, it was something completely outside of the realm of my experience, my previous experience. I wasn't quite sure what to compare it to, but if I had to pick a word, that word would be a circus. <laughs> Yeah, there was pageantry, there was celebrity, there were endless receptions, and the one image that stuck in my head was there was endless streams of black Mercedes ferrying people day and night between Zurich Airport and this tiny little village that's, you know, two hours from the airport. It's truly in the middle of nowhere, deliberately so, I'm sure. It has about a two-hour drive to, to Zurich Airport to get there, and in terms of the atmosphere at times I felt like I'd stepped into the world of like Andy Warhol meets (laughs) finance meets NGO it was a curious mix Um, the world leaders were actually a little bit thin on the ground particularly those for liberal democracies Theresa May um, Emmanuel Macron um, Donald Trump Um, at the same time who was there in great numbers were the large corporate the Fortune 500s they were all jostling for every square inch of space on the promenade in Davos and It was almost like a pop-up trade show in that for this one week, the town was transformed into uh, a trade show where these large corporates took up real estate on the the main street.
0: Fantastic. So World Economic Forum during the day and uh, cocktail parties at night.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it it was like there was two sides to it. You had these um, endless um, panel discussions, which were fascinating, um, side meetings during the day. And then at night, it just kicked off into this like a cocktail party, like just one big cocktail party. Yeah. yeah,
0: And so, I suppose bringing it back to sustainability and environmental issues, where did you see the real action take place?
1: Well, um, definitely some of it was in some of the, the more high-level sessions where you had people like David Attenborough speaking. Um, I would say what was striking, generally in terms of the messaging, was the focus on sustainability and environmental issues, particularly coming from the large corporates. Um, groups like Salesforce had you know, up in lights the issues of plastics in the ocean, the fact that by 2050, there may be more plastics in the ocean than fish. Mm. They went so far as in one statement to say that the business of business is to improve the state of the world. Wow. That's a, you know, a surprising message, perhaps, from a large corporate. And this was similarly echoed across the board by all of the corporates. And you might wonder, what's driving that? Um, where's it coming from? And... That was one of the things that became apparent as we listened then Mm -hmm. to maybe some of the financial groups like pension funds. And one of our observations is that pension funds and insurers are now increasingly requiring it a condition of investment that they will only invest in entities which are compliant from an environmental, social and governance standard or perspective.
0: That's fascinating to hear. And so I suppose if you were to... Round it up, what would you say were the key messages from Davos?
1: Well, one of the most impactful ones for me was some of the sessions delivered by Gary White and Matt Damon of water.org and Water Equity. They spoke about how water is a solvable problem, that this is something we can tackle in our lifetime, Mm -hmm. both water and sanitation, and the fact that there are currently 850 million people that are identified as having no access to water now taking a glass have half full perspective on that number there are 7.7 billion people on the planet that means that 90 percent of the population does have some level of access
0: that's great very re- reassuring
1: that's good progress yeah fantastic that was a key message that we have come a long way yeah um, not to say there are headwinds ahead climate change organization population growth there's more work to be done on sanitation. Mm-hmm. Um, billion people still have no access to sanitation and again Matt Damon spoke about what he called needless deaths and I think he said that Bono had mentioned this as well the fact that there are needless deaths which are avoidable that could be in relation to HIV medication but also water transmissible diseases which occur due to lack of sanitation and another key part of that message was there's a business investment opportunity here and that's what Water Equity are doing they are unlocking a demand in the market that exists because there are lower income people but they have some income and they are willing to spend it Mm -hmm. to improve their quality of life give them more time back improve their health and in their funds they're getting scalable returns of 3.5 or north of that which if you're a philanthropic investor who wants to have an impact in the world to achieve an investment of 3.5 percent is fantastic yeah And there's a lot of funds out there and impact investors who would be very happy with that. And I think that was what was fascinating was, A, this is potentially solvable. And if we think about it, not in terms of charity and Mm -hmm. not in terms of pure philanthropy, but how do we simply unlock a market failure and provide capital to help address that?
0: On a lighter note, um, what would you, if any, say are your top tips for Davos? Uh, I'm keen to hear how you get to meet uh, famous people.
1: <laughs> well, um, these were garnered from tips <laughs> and conversations that I gathered from other people too. But one was the coat check. So this is a great place to watch for people. It's a great equaliser. and Davos, They so can get to minus 15, so no one's leaving without their coat. <laughs> so if you hang around the coat check, you never know who you're going to bump into. Um, second was most important is a good pair of winter boots. This place truly is like an ice rink, particularly at night, and if you don't want to end up you know, hobbling home in a pair of crutches, <laughs> having a, a safe pair of shoes is, is a really good tip. And and finally, for me, I think going with the flow in that you never know who you're talking to yeah. at Davos, it could be anybody, and if you approach it with you know, an open mind and uh, kind of a bit of a spirit of adventure, um, that seems to be the best way to approach it.
0: You never know, you might be sharing a gin and tonic with Theresa May or in, Donald Trump.
1: <laughs> days and days, yes. Getting some selfies with them.
0: Great. Thanks very much for your time, Paul. That was very fascinating. Thanks, Divya. Now, from the glitz and glamour of Davos to the future of sensors. Next up, I speak to Rhys Owen on Bluetech's latest updates. We have in line with us Rhys Owen, our Editor-in-Chief. Uh, Rhys, welcome and uh, thanks for joining us. Tell us what Bluetech are planning for the next coming month. Hi,
2: Divya. Yeah, well, this month, um, you've heard from... Paul about his time in Davos. Uh, That's covered in the uh, intelligence briefing. And our other focus this month is the point of use insight report. Um, This is going to be uh, a report which looks at a very, very large market, talking about tens of billions of value. Industry experts suggest that in the region of 80 million point of use units are shipped annually, uh, with 15 million units going to China alone. So it's a huge market. And that's one of the reasons we wanted to look at it. I should just probably mention that by POU, I mean point-of-use systems, that's treatment systems in the tap just before they're used yeah. uh, by the person about the drink or consume the water.
0: It's a commoditized low-tech market, though, isn't it? Brita filters and so on.
2: Well, it it, it does include that. Uh, point-of-use includes that and the, and the whole range of other uses, for example, water going into specialized uh laboratories to of water and so on as well. So it's a very fragmented market. Um, but yes, it is it is commoditized to a certain extent, but we do see a trend towards uh, startup companies using new, newer digital technologies and using data to put a new spin on these products. So that would include examples like Lishto, the Israeli company who we've profiled before, who are uh, offering... Test drop, which will tell you whether there are contaminants present in the water or not. Also, Spout, a company which uh, will do lead content analysis. And there are numerous companies doing this. And also, the, uh, another driver for this is micropollutants and the increasing awareness of the fact that not everything that you would perhaps want to be removed from your water may be definitely removed from a municipal source. And we see that as a driver in the coming years for the US and Europe, certainly.
0: Oh, very interesting. And for those who are interested in uh, digging into this topic in, in a bit more detail, we've just finished a webinar on point of views, point of entry last week. So um, you'll find the link to the webinar on our platform as well, where you can view it back uh, on demand, as a, but also download the slides. And the report also will be ready very shortly and uploaded to our intelligence platform. Um, I believe we were also updating a report that we'd looked at in 2014, an insight report into online sensors and analysers.
2: Yes, that's right. Uh, That's coming soon. Uh, We're going to be looking at how the market has changed, um, the impact of things like the EU uh, drinking water directive on companies operating or selling into Europe Mm -hmm. uh, with sensors and analysers. Uh, This is by our uh, technology assessment group expert, Karina Carpentier. And in the intelligence briefing this month, she's written an article uh, taken from a report about data as a service and software as a service models uh, for sensor companies. So, uh, again, this is a a digital driver uh, of change in an already established sector. So uh, we're talking about sensor companies essentially turning themselves almost into software companies or using software type business
0: models. Yeah. And many of our listeners might have heard us mention this before, both the DAS and the SAS models. It's come up numerous times last year when we looked at the differences in or the innovation in the business model landscape. Um, indeed, with Karina spoke at the end of your webinar, she mentioned uh, DAS and SAS as well. But it's interesting to see companies pivot to offer this service. How easy is it, do you think, Reese? In reality, for a company manufacturing sensors to pivot to being a software and sensors company, sounds like that could be not as easy as we think it might be.
2: <laughs> yes, you've uh, hit the nail on the head. There, it's, it's not not the easiest thing in the world for a, a company that's manufacturing devices to or, or hardware to to do this. Um, customers might struggle at first to understand what's this entails or to articulate their needs. And, and sales channels have grown up understanding how to sell hardware, but would also have to adapt uh, to selling solutions and service packages. Um, and that means that you have to deal with the fact that there are different sales cycles. So software models and hardware models are different in terms of how you sell them. And uh, as with everything like this in the water sector, the customer base is... Potentially resistant to change or at least quite slow moving.
0: Mm-hmm. So it's
2: not something that can easily be done overnight, uh, certainly. And I think a lot of companies will find that quite challenging.
0: Yeah, absolutely. But we still see companies doing it. And I mean, what's the upside for hardware companies to pivot in this way? For example,
2: well,
0: the, uh, the, I, I was just going to mention, um, for example, Grundfos have traditionally always concentrated on pumps, for example, and they've been very heavily investing in digital technologies. So just curious to know what's driving all of this.
2: Uh, yeah, that's very true. And well, the, it's because the upsides, if they can get it right, are considerable. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: yeah.
2: It, 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 uh, as, a, as a business model, it means that cash flow is easier, even during long development cycles. Um, if you're moving to a more subscription model, then uh, customer retention is easier. Um, once someone has started using your software or data, then the switch becomes less likely. And because you can, in theory, cancel this at any time, it means uh, resistance to buying um, can be lower.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Added to that, the affordability is better because you can spread the costs over a longer period. And uh, you can even you know, make improvements um, faster. You know, if you can uh, roll out a software patch that improves the performance of a sensor or a pump then that's obviously much easier than replacing an actual piece of equipment and, and easier for the customer too.
0: <laughs> Sounds a bit like Tesla um, who issue updates to their cars like how they made all its vehicles have the autopilot feature um, last summer. It's, it's an interesting d- development for the water industry regardless anyway. So it's one to watch. Uh,
2: yes, exactly. It. So it's, it's not just the water industry uh, doing this course. Um, uh, and, we, and we think it will be uh, continue to be a trend. Um, in fact, some equipment manufacturers have told us they are already aiming towards the future. They can see where the hardware, whether it would be the pump or the sensor, is given away free.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: The customer pays for the software and service packages.
0: Right, yeah. Interesting. Anything else to report out for this month, Rhys?
2: Uh, yes, we have, as usual, a company report. And this time we've chosen... Heartland Technologies. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, Heartland offers uh, a very promising technology. It's a, it's, a, it's a robust alternative to evaporation technologies. Um, it uses a direct heat transfer. So this is heat exchanging. Uh, it does not need to be continuously maintained. because There's, there's no actual um, uh, metal transfer surface. It's done by direct content of the substances. Um, So, because this is an evaporative system, it doesn't have anything to form scale onto or to corrode. So, in theory, the performance is much better, and uh, they've certainly seen some good results so far. The CEO is Earl Jones, who of course has a lot of experience, uh, including several years, as GE's global leader in power and water. So this is a company that we can see has a lot of potential, it still needs to demonstrate um in some areas capability in the real world but from what we've seen so far it's very promising
0: okay fantastic thanks very much for your time reese we look forward to that and um i'll look forward to catching up with you next month okay thanks stevia thank you with that i'd like to wrap this month's episode as february approaches soda super bowl but by the time you hear this podcast super bowl 2019 would be well over but nevertheless we hope you have a super sunday Thank you for listening and we'll be back next month with more content.